Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your favorite podcast, Perception is Reality. It is your host, David. And today I'm being joined by a mutual friend of Jillian. You know her from the episode, Jillian, you know Jillian, that is from the episode, Divorce Doesn't Mean You Have to Lose Anything, Linda Healer. Hi. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, having this almost complete stranger (laughs) on your podcast. I'm really excited about this. Well, basically, uh, that's true. So let's get into some of the full disclosure podcasting is that uh, Linda knows Jillian, and I know Jillian, as you guys know already, because you've listened faithfully to every podcast. (laughs) And uh, Linda has a topic that she wants to actually uh, get my opinion on, I believe, and I don't know what that is. Uh, We had a brief meeting um sometimes that happens just to work out a schedule and talk but that was maybe five minutes and then we just had a brief uh rundown in the green room that i tell people how i'm going to record and then what happens and just the process so people know what to expect and that's pretty much it yeah so good times it's very exciting it is so i'm going to ask you a couple questions to start with okay number one What's the topic? Okay, so the topic is, um, what I'd like to talk about is how the people who push our buttons or trigger us the most are our greatest teachers. Or Uh, are they? That's a good question. Um, just writing it down so I can label the podcast later. Uh, I have so much to say on that already. (laughs) I kind of knew you would. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we know what we're talking about, why don't we tell people a little bit about you? Okay. So a little bit about me. So, um, I am a professional certified coach and I have my own uh, life coaching business. Um, But before that, I started that probably 10 years ago, I've been a a coach. But before that, I was a uh, dental hygienist for 27 years. And yeah, but uh, dental hygiene was never my passion. I always knew there was something else that I wanted to do. Um, but it really didn't matter. Uh, even if I had found what I wanted to do, I always felt that there was something wrong with me because I had so much social anxiety. Um, people scared me. Um, so it was a good thing I had a job because I, it made me get out of the house. I mean, there were times, you know, before my kids were born that it was so hard to even just go to the grocery store because I was so afraid of being judged by other people. And um, I did the whole counseling thing and it was wonderful, that was great, but I kept going back to my counselor and saying, 
yeah, okay, you know, I forgave my parents, I, you know, healed the past, all of that, but I still am afraid. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, you're, you're still okay. We don't need to keep rehashing the past. And so I was constantly looking for, um, for help in that. And so um, at the time I had my kids, um, I married my high school sweetheart. We're still together today, 35 years later. Um, and when my kids came along, I didn't want them to be afraid of the world like I was. So I kind of threw myself into them and lost myself being, you know, wife, mother, uh, you know, working part time. And so um, what happened was uh, as my kids were getting older and they were getting ready to my daughter was going to graduate from high school. My son was three years behind that. And I was like, I don't want my kids to be afraid to leave their mom because they're afraid I'm just going to implode because they were my life. And so that's when I decided, okay, well, if my counselor couldn't fix me, then I'm going to go back to school and be a counselor myself and learn how to fix myself. And I hated it. It was, it was awful. You know, it was like going through, you know, abnormal psych and crisis intervention. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to help. I want to move forward. I, I know there's something more that I want to do with my life. I want to find my purpose. And it just so happened that around that same time, um, you know, do you remember when Oprah was on TV back, way back yes. when? And she, yeah. Yes, so I she had, yeah, so she had her Oprah's book club, <clears throat> and at the time, um, this was back, I think it was like 2008, she, she read the book A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Are you familiar with that book? I'm going to have to say no at this point. Okay, and that, that's fine. Um, but it, it basically, it was called A New Earth. I think it's something like uncovering your, or, or learning your life's purpose. And of course, as soon as I saw life purpose, I was like, yeah, I'm in. And I read it and it was really an awesome book. And I wanted to talk to people about it. But of course, back then I didn't have any friends because I was so afraid. I, I had maybe friends, uh, my friends, quote, friends were the parents of my kids' friends, but I wasn't really close with any of them. And so um, I went online and I found a book group here in my area and, um, and it was meeting. Now, I have to tell you, David, too, um, so just I'm from the Rochester, New York area, and I know that you, you've lived here at yes. one point, mm -hmm. um, and I live in a small town south about 20 to 30 minutes south of uh of rochester we you know it's a town of like six thousand people um i think we have more cows than people in our town so here i am i'm i have this fear and this book group took place downtown rochester which might as well have been on the moon for me for because you, yeah. Yeah, because I live in a small town called Avon, and we have the 390 is our, our interstate. I could hop on 390, and the furthest I would go would be the closest 
like suburb of Rochester, which is Henrietta, which is like 15 minutes away. That's as far as I would go. Downtown Rochester was way too scary for me because what if I got lost and I would have to stop because again, this was back before the days of GPS and having that in my car, I would have had to have stopped to ask someone directions and there was no, that was too scary for me. So, um, so I found a way to get to downtown Rochester without having to take any of the different interstates. And I talked to a girl that I worked with into riding with me to that first book club meeting. And to this day, um, I stayed in that book group, by the way, for two years. We met for two years. And to this day, I met my very best friend in that book group. And it was a life coach who facilitated that book group. Hmm, makes and, sense. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's so, it's so amazing to me looking back, all the threads that had to be woven through. So it turned out that, and I, I am I going on too long? Is this okay? No, no okay. You're, you're perfectly fine because okay. uh, just to paint, a, let, let me help you paint a picture. Because, <clears throat> okay. Um, people who are not from the Rochester area, like for example, my Texas friends. So in Texas, uh, driving a half an hour would literally be somebody's dream. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's, and it, it, it's funny to think that way from like a Rochesterian perspective, because if it's 15 minutes away, that's, you know, that's far. If it's a half an hour away, I mean, it's like you're, you're debating whether you want to even go or not. In Texas, and specifically Houstonian, uh, and then I don't know my friends in Dallas and San Antonio and Austin share this as well. But like, an hour is now our version of a, is our version of fifteen minutes. So if we're driving like an hour, if it when it becomes an hour or more, then you're like, hmm. you know, you, you start to think about if it's an hour and a half, then you're like, well, you know, do I really want to go? Uh, if it's two hours, you're like, eh, definitely not. But like an hour is like typical. Yeah. It's just typical. Like that's just typical life is driving an hour. Like is not something that people question. Yeah. Just, just to help people understand that like in Rochester, when you grow up and you live in that environment, 15 minutes seems like a long time. A half an hour seems like a lifetime. And then when you're coming from... Avon, which is a farming community, mm -hmm. uh, and then you go into Rochester, which is not the world's largest city, but I think <laughs> the, the Monroe County has about a million people in it. The city of Rochester has maybe what three hundred fifty thousand itself. I mean, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's a decent sized city, but one yeah. just to help people understand the anxiety that that went through. And plus, um, I don't like to date my my guests. However, uh, like you said, in pre GPS days you know, there was, you really had to know what you were doing. I mean, you know, now everybody takes for granted the app on your phone that tells you what to do or the, or your car, you know, it's like your car, you just push a button. It's like, where do you want to go? And you're just like, well, I want to go to the book club in downtown Rochester. So it's like, okay, oh, I found it. Let's go. Right. You know, I, I get it. Back in the day that, that was all a lot to contend with. Um, but then you found one like this book club that helped you life coach running it 
and I, I mean, if I'm connecting the dots correctly, that helped you find your life purpose. It did. Yeah, it was, it was so amazing. So, um, it took me, I think maybe six months for me to get up the courage to ask him <laughs> what he did as a coach. Cause he was just the facilitator mm-hmm. and it, and it was so cool because he would just sit there and he would ask the most amazing questions, would never tell us what to think. And then finally one day I'm like, what do you do as a, as a life coach? And he started telling me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think this is what I've been looking for. And so, um, so I interviewed some coaches. I told my husband, I go, I think I found what I need and what I might be looking for, you know, as my life purpose. And so I ended up, um, I ended up one of the ladies in this book group was working with a coach and, um, I was talking to her one day and she started talking about her coach and she's like, Oh yeah, he's in New York city. I'm like, New York city. How do you do that? And she goes, Oh, we talk on the phone. I'm like, get out of town. You can do that. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, he's great. I mean, this is me, little Linda from Avon, New York. I was so sheltered and just so because I was too afraid to do anything. So, um, so she's like, oh yeah, you want his name? She goes here. She, he's great, you know. I, and she, I go, that's not weird. And she goes, oh no, he has confidentiality. He won't talk to you about me or me about you. So it, it's fine. So I called him up, and by the time I got off the phone, just an initial conversation, I was like, yep, I want to work with him. And so I did. I ended up um, working with him, and um, and I said to him our first, cause you know, well, you're a coach, so you know, coaching is about where do you want to be in the future and mm-hmm. creating that future. And I told him, I said, I went, I want to figure out whether I want to be a coach. And within a month of our sessions together, I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. This is what I need. And this is what I want to do. Um, so, um, but I want to go back. So to, to relate to this, um, this topic, Yes. The thing, so the thing is that um, I told you that, well, I think I told you that I met my very best friend to this day Mm -hmm. in that book group. You did. Okay. So when I first met her, I couldn't stand her. (laughs) She and, and come to find out she didn't like me either. And so it was very interesting. Um, I learned very early on that those people that I couldn't stand, it was very, it was very difficult. Um, but I started to realize that um, if I took the time to get to know them, that there was something there that I could maybe get to be friends with them or at least tolerate them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so. I asked, I asked her out for coffee one time and we started talking and now I will tell you my perception, again, my perception of her at the time, she was this high powered broker, financial broker, um, very, very successful. Um, she was 10 years older than I was and I was just little Linda from Avon, New York. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my perception of myself. And she was this larger than life person that I could never be friends with. But I asked her out for coffee 
And I told her that, you know, we talk about this, we laugh because she, she told me, she said, you know, I almost said no, because I thought you were just, she goes, you were so quiet. You were so shy. And she said, I perceived you as weak. Mm -hmm. That's and, true. and she said, so why, you know, why would I want someone like that in my life? But then after, you know, eight, six or eight months of being in the book group, then we started to have coffee from time to time and listen to each other. And we realized that um, she's helped me be more assertive and I've helped her in kind of softening herself. And, and now like she is my, she's my sister. She's my, like, she's the sister I never had. And I just, yeah. I love her so much. That's so, great. I, I love that that happened. And, and, and I read, the reason I said that's true when you said that is because a lot of people are quite quiet with weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. I mean, in some cases it can be, but also just because there's loudness doesn't equal strength. Right. Sometimes the loud person's just crying for help. Sometimes the weak person's just observing. And, and I, tell, I tell my mentees this, that uh, if you're listening, you're learning. And I think I've said that before. And, you know, just because you're quiet, uh, you know, you're paying attention, you're listening. And if you're actively listening, or there's, a, there's definitely a difference where, like, if you're being quiet, you're, you can be afraid to speak up. But um, fear, fear can definitely be a weakness that can be overcome. Um, but just being quiet in general, the perception of being quiet is one of weakness, but there you have to figure out why that person's being quiet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was actually just um, coaching somebody Friday because uh, we're doing this recording on, on a Sunday. And on, on Friday earlier, I was um, actually two people. This came up in two different coaching sessions, actually. Uh, and it was about the pregnant pause. Mm-hmm. And especially when I'm teaching one, one, one is somebody who wants to get into management and the other one is, was a sales, is a salesperson uh, and an executive. And both of them don't appreciate the power of the pregnant pause. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining to them that it's okay to stop, let the pause happen and let it see what happens. So it's funny, like, cause that pregnant pause to me is that, ultimate quietness in the conversation when nothing's happening, but everybody's panicking mm -hmm. and it, there's, there's beauty there. And I think people think I'm crazy, but when they learn how to embrace the beauty of quiet or the pregnant pause, people find out that they can think they find out. So one of the things I told them, uh, both people was during the pause, you know, when, you know, when you've, you're, when you're done talking, um, and there's no immediate response, don't feel like you need to fill in the void. Take a look at the person. You know, don't stare them down, but take a look at their facial expression. Look for micro expressions. People need to learn more about micro expressions. Look for body language. Did it change? Um, those are some cues that you need to think about while you're formulating what's going on, right? And then let them speak. And you'll find out like, did, then you can also say all of these things take into an account. What was their response like? Did they really think about it or were they staring at you trying to figure out if you were going to, if they could keep you talking? Mm -hmm. 
because a well-trained negotiator, this is, of course, I'm talking to a salesperson, a well-trained negotiator knows that if you over-talk, you know, you could lose the, the negotiation because you're mm-hmm. going to overshare. But anyway, I digress. But yeah, so that's my little diatribe on quietness versus the um, weakness. But I think you wanted to know, so people who trigger us, and mm-hmm. we'll get back to your friend because it sounds like she triggered you and you triggered her a little bit. Mm-hmm. But really, what I think maybe is that you guys were looking in, in the mirror at each other and you weren't necessarily liking what you were saying um, reflected back. Um, but I'll, I'll, we can talk about that in a minute, see if I'm right. Mm-hmm. But the question, how, how people who trigger us the most are the, our greatest teachers. And so I think that they are for two reasons. One, um, it's nice. You have to sit with what triggers you. You have to be afraid, not, excuse me, this is unedited, so I'm not cutting that out. You have to <laughs> not be afraid to look yourself in the mirror. And I don't, I, I guess that can physically mean like stare at yourself in the mirror, but it metaphorically, like look at yourself in the mirror. Why did this action, whatever it is, trigger you? Mm-hmm. Because and then you need to look at like, are you mad at the person? Are you mad at the event that happened? Because people have opinions, they're allowed to have opinions. That's why we do the show. Like why I do the show is like, why did that person have um, this opinion? And I was just on a a podcast, uh, I was actually a guest on a podcast called Too Many Podcasts. And he tries to sift through all the podcasts and do reviews of them. Uh, And he thought that, that this was a worthy event. And he asked me, uh, where's the line for you? And I'm like, line for what? And he's like, guests. And I'm like, there's no line. He's like, why is there not a line? And because I want to understand why an extreme, like if I can get an extreme person on, like, why does that extreme person think the way they do? Because like, for example, um, I'm really big on equality. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't want there to be gender inequality or, uh, just to name one, I could go on the whole list, but fill in the blank adjective and then the word inequality. I don't want that. I feel like we're all racial, you know, whatever. Like I said, I'm not going to name them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're all equal on this planet and there should be equality. But at the same token, I don't like when people shove beliefs in other people's face. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that it could be Christianity, that could be your sexuality. That could be uh, Christianity. I mean, your religion. Um, I just have that on the brain because I just talked. There's a future episode in that coming up. Um, and we talk about that, but I don't mean to highlight that. Just religion. People who are overly religious or under-religious um, with their beliefs. Um, in Texas down here, I've noticed that sexuality is a big one. Um, and so what I'd like to figure out is like why... And like people say things and I get triggered, you know, like mm-hmm. I have to figure out why that is. So I like to figure out why other people are triggered and it helps me with myself. Um, right. So I think those lessons are worth learning and it evolves you as a person. And if you can get beyond that and, and move and evolve, then you're growing. Um, and if you're not moving, you're dying. And that's literal, that's literally a hospital term. And that's for, People are in the hospital and bedridden. If you're not, if you're in the hospital and you don't get up and move around, you're literally going to start dying right away. Um, I know it's extreme and 
I'm making the extreme point to make the point. Mm-hmm. But I do believe people who trigger us can be our most valuable teachers. Now, in the event that a friendship can bloom out of that because there's somebody who's willing to say, all right, let me take this person out to coffee and really get to know them um, or invite them on a podcast or whatever. That's great. At the end of that event, if you know, I've learned something, me personally, I'm not speaking for anybody here, but if I've learned something great, if we decide to part, I uh, hope it's amicably. Um, and a friendship blooms from that even, even better because there's going to be constant learning events beyond that. Um, and I also think that there's complacency. Like you made a choice to go out with this woman. You made a, a, an actual choice. Like I'm going to go out with her and see what she's about. And maybe the you back then didn't really understand like the you now does. Right. Uh, you're certified and everything. But back then you had this itch. Yeah. You needed to be scratched. Like, all right, I'm going to take this person out. I got to figure this out. Um, and again, it could, it's, you look back on it, it's at a much deeper level. But what happened was fantastic. You know, maybe you thought you were planting a seed, but you grew a forest. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you hadn't done that, you would have been complacent and stuck in your life and you'd still be an Avon and uh, you, well, I mean, you probably still are. Who cares? Avon's a great, beautiful place. People should go visit there. Uh, really, is a pretty place. there's a, a, one of the Finger Lakes is down there. Um, feel free to go visit it if you're wanting to go to Western New York for tourism. Um, take the wine and cheese trail. It's quite delicious. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> but you could be complacent. You could still be in that person you were X amount of years ago, but you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just my long winded, humble opinion about why people who trigger us can become our greatest teachers. Um, and like, for example, uh, when we talk about, um, and I'm going to, so going to, I should know this student's name but when we talk about the 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 student and uh the native american on capitol hill i forget both of their names now i should know this because i've talked about it at length with nine million people but yeah i feel like we as a society lost a teachable moment there and i specifically wholeheartedly believe that those two people should have sat down afterwards and was like hey let's let's really talk i think they both would have learned something but I think we as a society also didn't learn something because we picked sides. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we, we lost out on, on, a, on a moment to learn because that was a very triggering event for many, many reasons. Um, yeah. And I won't get into them because that's a whole different episode that I'm still wanting somebody to talk with me about on, on the air. But Again, that's a triggering moment that I think people, it's recent, people will remember it. Um, There's a teachable moment there. Mm -hmm. They don't have to become friends. They don't have to like start having Sunday dinners together. Um, But they could talk to each other and and learn. And I think you bring up a really good point uh, because, you know, I'm, talking about this on a personal level but also if we 
if we look at our world today and we make this uh, a bigger issue. So if we look at, at that moment, Im immediately we take sides. And I don't like that person. So what did you, what's your, what is it, 10 milliseconds that you uh, it's say? It's 10 milliseconds. It yeah. takes 10 milliseconds to form that initial opinion. Yeah. So, so we're doing this on a daily basis as we watch the news, what, whatever is in front of us. Um, and it just reminds me, so one of the things um, that I, I have done in the past is uh, I was a uh, workshop facilitator for women who are incarcerated. So I would go into the Monroe County Jail here and, and do uh, strengths-based empowerment workshops. And so when I found myself watching the news and see, you know, you, I, I get, I get very desensitized and I, I, I'm thinking other people do, do too, but I'm going to speak to my experience. It's like, oh yeah, this person got arrested and they did that and that was a bad thing and they should be arrested and thrown in jail. And then that's done. You're like, we're done with them. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's my perception. It's like, okay, so done, you know, and I don't need to think about those people anymore those people and here we go <laughs> some people those people who are those people well by going in to jail and sitting with these women um yeah they did some bad things and i got to hear their stories i got to rather than judging them for being bad people because they were in jail i got to hear their stories and where they came from and have some empathy for, um, well, so you've heard the saying, um, you know, well, you just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And I had a relative that was famous for saying that. And I, you know, I believed it. Everybody just needs, you know, if you're down and out, you just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Well, not everybody has boots. Mm -hmm. So, listening to some of these women's stories where they weren't raised by two loving parents. All they knew was that they didn't know their father and their mother was a drug addict. And this is what, what they were doing was what they knew to do. But yet, if you listen to them, if I listen to them, I watched women just because they had the space to say what was so for them. Someone listened to them, didn't judge them, and said, hey, you know what? I get it. I watched them turn their lives around because someone said, it doesn't have to go this way. You can do something else. It's very true. And it, it's very true. And a few points that you made us were constantly we are constantly judging people and we don't know what their path in life is. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter what, um, what they look like or how, how they are. It's, it's, it's the point about, we need to take the time to get beneath the surface. Um, there's a picture of a guy that I like to reference. Um, and in one panel, 
he's in wearing scrubs, got a stethoscope and has a clipboard. And it's like, do you find this? It's, it's a basically a test. Do you find this man credible? And people are like, yeah. And then in the second panel, it's the same man, but he's wearing um, no shirt and it shows all of his tattoos. And it turns out he's got sleeves. He's completely tattooed. Mm-hmm. Same person, same education level, same everything. But, um, you know, you don't find that out until the end of the question, but you're like, oh, damn, no, I wouldn't trust that guy. And then you're like, well, he still has a doctorate from X school and he's the world renowned person in charge of X field of study. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the end of that, people are like, oh, well, that just that proves the point. So, and, and what I want people to understand is, is you're not excusing the negative and criminal actions that these people, these women no. took want to get to end up in jail. But right. that's all that they were taught and learned growing up. That's what, like you said, that's what they knew to do to be successful. Right. And if you got away with it, you were successful. If you didn't, you ended up in jail. And you know what? There's no real stigma in going to jail because everybody they know has gone to jail. Right. Right. So it's like expected almost. And it's really great to hear that people like you exist and you're willing to take your time to go out there and let them know that they are worth more because I don't my perception of that situation is people just really don't understand their own self-worth. And, and mm-hmm. I'm applying that on a broader scale now because I really don't uh, believe that people understand their full self-worth. Um, and that's a, that's a shame. And the other side of that coin is we're not all going to be um, CEOs of a fortune 50 company and make, $60 million a year is our annual salary. But there are more things that we can define ourselves by than our job and our income. We're worth much more than just those two facets of who we are as an individual. I mean, that CEO may be a complete unethical duty head. And the person that doesn't make a lot of money that feels down in themselves, but they volunteer every weekend either at a homeless shelter or a food bank or to whatever, who's worth more. Right. And that depends on the value, the, the definition of the word worth. Right. So the good thing is, is we get to be the judges. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Judge that's, that's a really interesting word and the, the judgment piece of it. Um, yeah so it's it's interesting and again here's that pregnant pause as i'm you know kind of churning up thoughts here because you said you said quite a few things um you know when we talk about you know the 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 people in jail and we have that um the judgment of them but the thing about it is there are so many of us out here that are walking around who it looks like if we were to just 
observe and Facebook is a great one. You know, oh, they, they have a great life. They've got it all together. Look at, they don't have any problems. Everything, everything on the outside looks good. Whereas, because when I was going through all of my fear stuff, nobody knew. It was all me. I was a great actress and I was really good at hiding my fear. Um, and so by, by all intents and purposes, I had the perfect life. I had a wonderful husband. I had a home. I had two beautiful, awesome kids. I, I had the perfect life, but I was miserable inside. And so I don't know where I'm going with this. I just kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, you're there. It's all right. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is, I don't know. I, I just you were of, talking about judgment and like how yeah. judgment is such a strong word. Yeah, it really is. And so we're, so I'm, I'm just thinking about, and again, I'm speaking to my experience and I know everyone has their own opinion, but when we're talking about people in jail or in prison, so we judge them as they've done something wrong, which they have. Got it. And do we really think that putting them in a way with really no ability or no, nothing to reform them, nothing to, like you said, have them see that they're worth more than having to go out and steal or having to go out and do whatever it is or drugs. I mean, our addiction issue is, it's terrible. What is causing that? Obviously, harshly judging people and punishing them doesn't work because our prisons are so full. And that harshly judging and punishing we do that to ourselves. I mean, think about the thoughts going on in your head. I think about the thoughts that went on in my head and still are there, even though I've learned to separate who I really truly am from those judgmental thoughts going on in my head. Um, we, we are our own worst critics. Absolutely. We are. And, and I'm going to say this and then I'll, I'll circle back to something. Um, but there is, this is, these are my perceptions of how life works. Um, and I have no real facts. So anybody's listening, I, I acknowledge that these are just my own personal thoughts and perceptions is that the criminal justice system is not set up for reform. And mm -hmm. I believe that there are many people in the country who are profiting from the criminal justice system and it's a profit center. We've managed We've managed to find a way to profit from it. That is a fact. And I think that the general population, or as I like to call them, gen pop, when we talk about or meet somebody who may have been on the other side and they're out, that our perception is that they're not reformed because we all kind of have a perception or knowledge firsthand, whatever, that there is no way to reform in there. It's that you just go, you pay your time, and then you come out. Mm -hmm. There's no, and I don't know this 
for effect. I mean, there might be classes and things in there. I don't know. But I, I mean, again, this is my perception is that it all kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy that um, person X uh, gets caught selling drugs. They go to jail. Uh, they just do their time. They come out. It's not person X gets caught selling drugs. They get tried. They figure out what's going on. They go to jail. They meet a counselor in jail. That person figures out like, okay, well, why did you do that? What led you to that? Okay, well, how can we break that cycle? Um, you know, because there's many reasons that they could have done that. You know, maybe they were, you know, I don't even want to speak to that. because it's a different episode. But uh, there's nothing that, in my feeble mind, there's nothing that, that happens there that when person X gets released, that they've gone through anything to learn or become reformed and that lack of reformation, if that's the right word, um, mm -hmm. prohibits them from rejoining society successful, right. successfully. Right. So on, that's just a little, and, I, and I, I'm going to circle back to something that else that you brought up, but if you want to talk about that more, we can. Yeah, I just, well, I just want to say, and, and again, this could be a whole nother episode. <laughs> I would totally have this episode with you because you've got time yeah. inside as a counselor and a coach to help do the reforming, to help people through that. So, um, yeah, well, I just want to say um, you're hundred percent right. And what I would urge you to do is there's a great 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think it was Bill Whitaker did a 60 minutes uh, piece on the, um, the prisons in Germany and how they have created, they are working to reform uh, the people who commit crimes. And yes, there are some that who don't get out, but it's, it's a really amazing piece. Um, and yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, again, I, I, like I said, I could, there are no, programs. Yeah, yes. there are, there are programs in, in the jails. I know the jails, those I can speak to, there are programs. However, the funding to get them, they have to fight for, and there, it's so little funding. It's just, it, it just, it's not, it's not, it's not doing what it should be doing, what it could be doing. Um, and I think it would make such a difference on our community if that was addressed so you know maybe somebody out there who thinks that they're profiting from like maybe one of these jail people uh who or a prison person that owns one and is actually profiting and owns several and whatever whoever that person is or people or organization maybe they should look into how if they really just want to make money i'm sure there's money to be made by helping reform people believe it or not yeah um, so maybe you could be making more money and you're missing out. I you dare know. you to start reforming <laughs> the inmates. I dare you right now. <laughs> but, but you know what, David, in order to do that, we have to change the perception of our justice system because the perception, and I have it in my head. And if I'm thinking about it, it's, People, if they do something wrong, they need to be punished. Jails should not, they shouldn't be coddled. They shouldn't be, you know, I mean, that's the perception. You do something wrong, you're judged, you're found guilty, and you need to be punished. 
Well, I talked with my nephew about government 2.0 in an, in an earlier episode, and mm-hmm. maybe he's onto something. So anyway, we, I wanted to, <laughs> let, I'm just going to say, I want to talk to you about this in the future. Yes. So we'll check okay. our calendars for that. But okay. So that we're talking about the perception of people who trigger us as being as greatest teachers and whether that's a good perception or a bad perception. And I, I, I think I've expressed that my perception is they can be our greatest teachers. Um, and I think from your story, you agree. So what I want to ask you, though, is this. Do you think the person who's capable of triggering you the most can be your most effective teacher? And that person I'm going to identify is you. So let me make sure I'm understanding what you're asking me. So is the person that's triggering the most is me? Like I'm my greatest teacher? Is that what you're... Can you become your own greatest teacher? Because it's my humble opinion and perception that we are our own worst critics. We trigger ourselves. We can send ourselves into an anxiety spiral. We can trigger ourselves into depression. We can make our fear so great that we cannot leave the house for weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. So it's my assertion that we can be our most, uh, our worst enemy and trigger ourselves the most. So the question I have for you is if both of us are in agreement that we can learn from people who trigger us and, you know, we don't have to like that person, but we can learn something regardless. Uh, Do you think the person in the mirror has much to teach us? Absolutely. And it's so funny that you should be, uh, that we should be talking about this because I was talking to a client about this uh, because we were talking about her relationship that she was in uh, with her husband and how he was triggering things in her. And um, so my, my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, is that yes, we are, we can be, our greatest teachers, if we are willing to learn the lessons and be open to the lessons that that the universe brings us, because the universe always does bring us these lessons and these opportunities to practice. However, it's my belief that we can learn better about ourselves in relationship with other people. So rather than going to the mountaintop or the ashram to be by ourselves, yes, that's, that's helpful. That's helpful to a certain extent. I need to have my alone time. However, I'm, I'm not going to fully learn what I can learn about myself and create that personal growth unless I'm in relationship and with other people. And do you? Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. And the the other thing that came up when you asked that is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Debbie Ford. Um, She, she is a a great teacher and um, she wrote a great book. It's called, it's a weird name. It's called the, the dark side of the light chasers. 
And I know it's a, it's a really weird name. I, and, uh, but it's a great book. And in there, basically in a nutshell, it's based basically what we can't be with in others is what we can't be with in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's what triggers us is that thing. Like with my friend, mm -hmm. uh, I could not be with, I saw her as arrogant. I saw her as very arrogant and I could not be with that because I don't ever want anyone to see me as arrogant. Like that would be, oh, like that would be awful if someone said to me, oh, you are just so arrogant and conceited. You think so much of yourself. I would be like, that would devastate me, devastate my ego or whatever it is. So, so that's what I had to take a look at was what couldn't I be with in her? And it was like, oh, okay. So that's pointing to the fact that I can't be with that part of me. And the other piece of, of Debbie Ford's work is we all have every characteristic inside of us. We all have the capability for, you know, compassion and love. And, um, but we also have jealousy and arrogance and all of that. Um, and it's those pieces that we're not willing to own that, really get in our way. I'm going to have to research her and I, I like everything that you're saying and I agree with everything that, uh, that you just mentioned that she has to teach. So I will be looking into her for sure. Um, those are some good points that I hope people sit with and I take away from this episode um, is that don't, that's one of the underlying points of this show is to learn about different viewpoints, different things that we may or may not agree in, agree mm -hmm. on. And uh, it, it doesn't mean that the person who has an opinion is a bad person. They just have a differing opinion. Right. Um, so there is things to learn there. And then again, like you're saying is reflect on that. Why is that bothering you? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we're talking, we can talk about, uh, you know, extremes. I think like if we were to talk about genocide, I think it's pretty easy to justify why, you know, you feel angry about a genus, gena, genocide, right? right? But there's things like um, that are less extreme that still trigger us in as great a, amount as something like that. And it's nice to figure out, well, why is that coming from? Why does that person believe that? Why do I believe this? And have the conversation and learn. And again, that's, you know, if you're triggered, it's a learning moment. So I'm glad that you brought up this topic. It fits right in with the overall points of the show. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it, it, it does. And you are living proof that, something beautiful can come from having that initial coffee with, with that stranger. Cause I mean, you just be, and this is the other thing that I want to, to point out is that you were in a book club together, a book group that didn't make you friends. And, and in my mind, I'm going to make a jump here. and Hopefully you'll agree with me is that that's basically the same about as being like a Facebook friend. Right. Uh, you didn't know each other. No. You know, she saw what you brought to the table every week, which was your, you know, your adjusted personality because, and we can get into that in a minute and how you looked dressed 
uh, and some of the things that you spoke out of, about with, in reflection of the books you're reading. And she brought the same. But above and beyond that, you had no knowledge. It's all superficial. Right. You know, people who have a thousand Facebook friends don't really have a thousand friends. There's no way. I mean, I would challenge anybody who's listening, if you have more than 160 friends on Facebook, I challenge you to advise me how often you speak to those persons how often you're interacting with them other than liking a picture. Liking a picture isn't really an interaction. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I like a picture. Like if I feel like I could go to an art gallery and being uh, a Rochesterian native or Rochester area native that you are, you've probably have heard of the George Eastman house. It's a photography yeah. museum. It's, it's everybody should actually go to that house. It's just great. Mm -hmm. If they had a little, they could literally have a thumbs up and a thumbs down there and I could go there and like those pictures that they display just as much as I like a friend's picture. That doesn't mean that I'm friends with the photographer, does it? Right. Yep. Good point. So that's what you all brought to the table. And what I meant by adjusted personality is, is when we go into these social events, we try to bring the best version of ourselves, or we bring a version of ourselves that we feel like people will tolerate and like. Um, I don't believe in those situations we bring our authentic selves. And Facebook does the same thing. That's why I'm equating it. We don't bring our authentic selves. Um, there's one person I think of that I have on my Facebook feed that brings his authentic self. And I've been trying to get him on, on a show, but he's uh, just finished up his master's. And that's my cousin, Jason. He's significantly younger than me. Um, I don't know, maybe like 12 years or so, which probably isn't really that significant. But I mean, growing up in the cousin spectrum, that didn't, you know, like he was 12 years younger than me. We didn't really hang out. I didn't really know him. But now that we're connected on Facebook, like I see him, he's the only one that I ever see on there that is like, I really feel like I got to know him through Facebook because I truly believe he brings his authentic self to Facebook. Mm -hmm. And the episode I'm dying to have with him is just why he has, uh, he, why he just doesn't care. Cause I mean, he posts some of the most extreme things I've ever heard. Um, and not like extreme viewpoints, but like he'll talk about things, um, just topics that are so open, openly just like I would never talk about. Like one, once he he talked about how he, um, had some bad food and he had a bad stomach ache and he just had bad flatulence and just didn't care. <laughs> and it didn't matter. He just, he just, he literally had no cares to give about his stomach issues. <laughs> like, and that's what I mean. Like to me, that's an extreme event. Like I would never talk about that on Facebook. Right. Right. So but anyway, that, that's what I mean by um, the perceived and authentic. So, so. Well, you know, so again, this might be another, another whole conversation. I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown. She's actually a Texan. Are you familiar with her, her work? She's, she's a shame and vulnerability researcher. Oh, that sounds, <laughs> no, no, I need to know this person, especially if okay. she's a Texan. 
<laughs> yes, she's awesome. So yes, so she, um, she has a, a great TED Talk that you can find on YouTube called The Power of Vulnerability. Oh, and that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, she's, she just, and she also just came out with a Netflix special um, that I, I just started watching it. It just came out um, not too long ago. Um, but it's so interesting that you should bring up that authentic, that authentic self. So she's done all sorts of research and basically her research has shown that in order to live a wholehearted joy filled life, we have to be authentic and we cannot be authentic unless we're vulnerable. And guess what? We don't like. Oh, we, we don't being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there is a line now, <laughs> there is a line between sharing and being vulnerable and oversharing and, you know, and, and yes. so, you know, there is that line. Um, but she also says that, and, and this, and it's, it just rings true with me when I read her, her books and read her research, it just seems like the truth to me that um, that shame is so pervasive in our society today. And again, that could be a whole nother topic. The, the mom shaming and, you know, making people feel bad about themselves. And I think, and, and I don't even think that in our society, um, with all of the ads and everything, you should have this, you should have that, everyone should be striving for this and you should have that. It's almost like there's an underlying sense of you should be ashamed if, you're, if you don't have that. Or Yes. If, right? Yeah, that's something that I wanna talk about and I've asked for guests on this topic is because, um, and, and this, I'm going to say something extreme, but again, this is just my perception. And, and you're, as somebody who will fit into one of these buckets, you on the other side, you can tell me if I'm being a jerk or not. Um, I want to talk to um, somebody, specifically a woman, about why women are so harsh judging other women. And, and, and I see it on Facebook all the time and on Twitter and stuff. So like there's... Um, if you breastfeed, you're the devil. If you don't breastfeed, you're the devil. If you go to work, mm -hmm. you're the devil. If you stay home, you're the devil. And I, I'm, I'm obviously, you guys don't say devil to each other, but you know, I'm, I'm painting the picture of like extremes. Like, it seems to me like that group of people, like women in general, I mean, you guys put up with enough crap as it is. Why can't you, like, why, why isn't there like more support? Like, hey girl, you want to go and go to work? Do it. I, I can't, I couldn't go back, but I respect your choice. Or you know, there's the people who like the whole breastfeeding topic. And, and this is just something that I just don't understand why men even try to weigh in. Um, I mean, biologically speaking, they're there for a purpose. And if somebody's out feeding her baby, you know, why, why do they have to be in a bathroom stall? Uh, because you can't deal with it. But again, some of the make bigger critics are women themselves. Um, and I just don't understand that. But again, that, that's a topic. I know that that's a topic, but I just need to know, am I off base there? Like, am I a crazy person thinking that? No, you're, you're not. But again, I, 
it, it's very difficult to kind of lump it into because there are women out there that are very supportive. Um, I'm part of a, a, a group of women that were there to lift each other up. And um, those women who, those women, <laughs> I hate that, but, but it's women, okay. yeah, women who are not part of that, they don't, they, that aren't, they're only out for themselves they don't usually last very long in, in that group because we're about, you know, giving back. Yes, we're, we're about supporting each other. We're going to get something out of it, but we're also going to give and make sure that we support the other women in the group. Um, but you know what, David, I think there is one other um, thing that I don't know. I think it's women especially don't want to talk about mm -hmm. that is a, uh, is a really scary word and that's the word jealousy oh yeah anybody wants to talk about that let's talk about it um, you mm. and i don't have time today to talk about it but i'm throwing that out there whether yeah. it's look linda whether it's with you or somebody else i would love to talk about that because um and you know that was asked this question and i'm sorry i'm jumping in but i'll let you and finish that and then then we'll wrap up but um because i i do interview i spend quite a time um, interviewing women and somebody asked off off the air like why do I do that and I'm like well because I want to support them um, and I think it's important um, and uh, you know I see that I see some struggles in my position um, and I don't want and again this is where the equality part of me comes in which I don't know where that came from but it just has been ingrained in me is that um, if I perceive the inequality, I want to promote them. And I, I like promoting women like Jillian and Margaret and now having you on um, and Allison uh, and, you know, just all beautifully strong women that are empowered. And, and, and I like the message that you all have. And I, that's why I want to help spread that around. And I thought I had a point, but now I don't. So I don't know. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for allowing the platform. So to recap, we've definitely talked about how we didn't talk so much about the perceptions of people who trigger us. Uh, I think we just all, we, we both kind of just acknowledged that people trigger us. Um, and sometimes they do it on purpose. And sometimes they don't, but they trigger us. But I think what we wanted to dispel was the perception that of writing these people off and mm -hmm. to take a step back and learn from them. There's learning to be had there. Yeah. If you're triggered, figure out why learn and then move on from there. So, I mean, we talked about, well, we talked about a bunch of perceptions today, but um, again, as usual, I followed the, uh, the butterfly around the yard and we talked about several topics which i appreciate and some of which were definitely like i definitely want to talk to you more about the prison thing let's schedule that as an episode in the next month or two um, but is there any other perceptions and you told us the beautiful story about your friend who's now your best friend and sister like are there any other perceptions around there that i that would you because of the butterfly uh or the the laser pointer and i was a cat today uh, that we didn't get to express like and, and dispel those perceptions? Well, I think, um, I think what I 
what I really would love for people to take away and, and my clients kind of get tired of me saying this is when they, they come to me and they say, so-and-so made me feel this way, or, uh, you know, that person, you know, I don't like them because it's like, okay, so what is there about them that's triggering you? And I always say it's, it's never about the other person. It's always about us. And there's some learning in there if we're, if we're open to it. Um, and I even had someone in my group coaching who said, is so-and-so going to sign up for, for your program? Cause they're, if they're going to, I can't stand them. And if they're going to sign up, then I'm not going to sign up. And I said, you know what? I'm not telling you who is signing up because the person that triggers you the most is going to be your greatest teacher and you should be grateful that they're in there and you have the support of the, the coaching to actually learn it. Um, because I know for me, um, if I didn't learn how to be with that, the arrogance, my, and, and it was just a context. It was just a story that I made up about arrogance, right? That my, mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. friend, my beautiful friend, she wasn't arrogant at all as, but I then had to learn to see my story about arrogance and how my story about arrogance was holding me back because I would never have contacted you to be on this podcast eight years ago because I would have seen that as arrogant. Who do I think I am that I have something to say that anyone would want to hear? So that is amazing. And I've had so many people tell me now, Linda, your, your story is amazing. You need to get out there. there, there. I just had a young woman tell me the other day, I feel one-on-one -on -one coffee. We're talking. She's like, tell me your story. I was she goes, my gosh, I feel the same way. I, you know, so that's how we help each other and support each other. Um, and I have two other things really quickly. Um, you, we were talking about jealousy mm -hmm. and I just want to say this and I am going to be open and vulnerable here on the air for all to hear. Uh, I have suffered with jealousy. I have suffered. It sounds like, a, like a, an illness, doesn't it? Um, but that has been something that has been a trigger for me and something that I have had to work through in the past. Um, and again, that's like a, a whole nother story. And if anybody wants to talk to me about it, I'm happy to share my story with them um, because it actually has, again, has helped me because I faced it and it, I continue to face it. And then uh, one last thing, David, that I want to share with you because you were talking, sure. you were talking about equality and you're mm -hmm. all, um, I don't know if you or your audience, I shared this with a, a group of women yesterday, do um, not a lot of people know that the Equal Rights Amendment has not been ratified, it hasn't been passed. So we can talk about women making the same amount of money and having equal rights, uh, but legally, we don't have a leg to stand on. Really? I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, look it up. Don't take my word for it. Please, don't ever take my word for oh, it. Oh, I'm Googling that right yeah. now. Yeah, look it up. It never passed. But if you ask people, the majority of people say they think 
it's passed and that women constitutionally have the right, have equal rights, and we do not. Wow. 31 states, not 35. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, why are we talking? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there's more work to be done. Um, yeah. Wow. All right. I'm writing that down for a future plea for guests. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So again, you know, please educate yourself, everybody, you know, on this and, and yeah. And tell people, because like you said, people don't know this. No, they don't. They don't. And there's, there's a bunch of topics that I want to talk about. Um, like reparations has come up oh, yeah. uh, by some of the democratic candidates. Yep. And, um, I would love to talk to somebody about their view on reparations. Um, there's the, and this now I'm writing this down because I had no idea that wasn't ratified. That's, that's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read more about that. See now my brain's gone a different direction. So what I'll do yeah. um, is just thank you for being on the show today. And uh, I appreciate it. And the message that you have, uh, one thing that I would like people to know is how they can contact you. So you can contact me through my website, which is liveinspiredlifecoaching.com. And if you want to email me, it's just Linda at liveinspiredlifecoaching.com. And that will be uh, in the blog post on Saturday following this episode for you in case you didn't write that down. Um, but I'll make sure you know how to get to her. And as Linda mentioned earlier, there's this awesome thing that she and I are using. It's called technology and you can actually contact her remotely from whatever state or country you're in. And you can, you can contact her. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, if you are one of my South African listeners, I would love to talk to you about any topic sincerely. Um, all right, actually not any topic. I kind of really want to talk to you about race and equality, but I'll <laughs> listen to, I'll talk to you anything that you guys want to talk about. Um, That's so awesome. So I really appreciate your time today, Linda, and I hope that uh, people contact you. And I believe I do know uh, some of your other women that you are hanging around with um, in, in that group, and it's a great group. Um, mm-hmm. And you are definitely in excellent company. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I am very grateful for, for this. You're it was welcome. a great conversation. Um, I guess sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I'm just going to say this. So for, for everybody that is listening, and if you're hesitating being a guest uh, on the show, which I know there are several of you listening that want to be guests because you said so, but you're afraid to be a guest. As poised as Linda is, and she is an awesome human being after the last hour I've spent with her, that's my perception of her, and I have no other reason to think otherwise. Even she was hesitant to come on and be a guest. Mm -hmm. So you're not alone, and just know that you are in good company. Um, if you're judging Linda in the same way that I'm judging her by our talk, and you were afraid, take her courage as an example. She's meant that she already mentioned how she 
went out to coffee with somebody, that took a lot of courage. Coming on the show took courage. Um, and, and Linda, sorry to out you, but uh, you, you were hesitant. You're like, well, you know, do I want to be on? Do I not want to be on? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, ah, you know what? I'm going to just do it. And I appreciate that. And, and like I like to say to everybody, thank you for trusting me um, to be on the show. I know that that's, that's a huge thing to give a stranger. Um, but I appreciate it. Yeah, take the, take the leap. You know, the, that's the only way we stretch our comfort zone is to uh, jump out into the unknown. And the nice thing about this, I was, yes, I was scared, but I was also excited because, they, because I listened to, I think I've listened to all of your podcasts and you just make it so easy. It's just, it, it's, it's easy. It's, it's comfortable. Um, I could just come on here and be who I am and just have a conversation with you. So if you're thinking about it, just take the leap. It'll be exciting. And then after you're done, you'll go, whoa, I just did that. That's so awesome. It is. It is a good accomplishment. Uh, and Claire, who was a guest on bullying, it was actually like a bucket list item for her. So I appreciated that opportunity as well. Cool. All right. Well, Linda, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, and everybody, thanks as always for listening. And uh, you know how to get all the Linda. And I will say this again. You can now text or leave me a voice message. It's uh, country code 1-585-210-0240. And if you want to give any feedback on the shows or participate, that's your way to do it. If you want to be a guest, contact me there. You can always uh, go out to the website. Uh, perceptionisreality.online. You can contact me there and you can reach me via the email. Uh, so don't be afraid to reach out. Although I will completely say that if you leave a voicemail, it could end up on the air. So just know that. Um, however, I will respect your wishes if you start the voicemail off by saying, please don't put this on the air. <laughs> I, I sincerely will respect that. But if you don't say that, it could end up on the air. But it, least it'll start a conversation and hopefully it will help me convince you the lever of the voicemail to come on the air with me so thank you everybody for listening and enjoy the rest of your day however much or little time that is if you'd like to leave feedback on the podcast comment on this episode or a previous episode or to be a guest on the show leave me a message by calling 1-585-210-0240 any feedback or episode comments could end up being aired in the future. I look forward to hearing from you.